I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Hey, what's up? It's Mick. You are checking out Rebel Radio. Yo, fuck you, Josh. What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up, what up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Peanut Butter Wolf. It's your boy. It's okay. You're checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh, Rebel Radio is going down. What did you say? Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel Radio. What's up, Rebels? Welcome back to Rebel Radio, the weekly show where I talk to the Rebels who are shaping youth culture. We find out how they do it, why they do it, and what you can do to get a little piece of the pie for yourself. We're also the only show featuring new music every week from our friends over at EDM.com. Check it out. This week, we are live and direct from the Can Lions Festival of Creativity. Shout out to the Can Lions people for hooking us up with press passes. I was on the beach in the south of France all week connecting with uh, really interesting people from the entertainment industry, the advertising industry, all of that, including my guest today, the one and only DJ Mick. Uh, Mick is uh, an amazing DJ. He's the co-creator of the Summertime Mixtape Series with DJ Jazzy Jeff, my favorite mixtape series there is. He's also the man behind the South by Southwest Mixtape, NBA Live Mixtapes, uh, collabs with Eminem, Busta Rhymes. This dude is busy, very talented, and, and he keeps himself busy. He's an absolute brand ambassador. He's an investor. He's got a ton of things going on. Um, so I caught up with Mick at, at, at Can Lions, and he gave me some, some insights into how he builds his brand and how he really thinks of himself as a brand. Really interesting perspective on all of that. He's also talked about how he's learned to treat people over the years throughout his career and, and what all that means to him. Some great stories from Mick coming up on Rebel Radio right after our EDM.com track of the week. Suffering through the pain. I told my girl I was dying. She said, Is you insane? I went to heaven, got rejected. I should be ashamed. I went to hell and left before the devil knew I came. Chest getting tight and my breath getting shorter. 
They say blood's thicker than water, but this a disorder. Now I'm at the ER. After days of trying to fight it off, they try to lay me back. I jumped up and ripped the wires off. Nurses trying to calm me down, tell the doctor dope me up. Morphine and Ativan, I panic when they woke me up. Blood clots in both lungs and they starting to choke me up. Couldn't stand on my own, too. They had to hold me up. Fam came to visit, man, it's one love. But I barely knew who anyone was. Delirious and on drugs. Now every 20 minutes, different doctor and they want blood. I guess I should have listened when my brother told me unplug, huh? Okay, I get it now, don't rub it in my face, neither. Eight days of straight fever, no color in my face, neither. And nah, I ain't get shot, I have a car crash. Ain't have to spit it through the wire with my jaw smashed. But still on these monitors and EKGs. Look, I'm an independent artist, we don't get paid leave. We don't sleep hate we trying to beat Jay-Z's. But how the hell I'm gonna record again? I Yo, that was Dunson with Last Breath, the EDM.com track of the week. If you like that one, get over to EDM.com, check out new music. And let's get into our interview with Mick. Yeah, I got it. Try to change my life. I'm sure like everybody says. For sure. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, so first of all, how long have you been coming to Cannes? Um, I have been coming to Cannes. This might be my fifth Lions. Nice. And I think I did the film. I did a party at the film festival maybe one year before that. Okay. It's either my fourth or fifth lines. And how so, did you know to come here? I mean, this is kind of my world. Yeah. Like my world. If I didn't become a DJ, this was my. This would be my world. Like know? advertising. Yeah, yeah, advertising, marketing. That's what my background was in. Okay. I have an MBA in it. Oh yeah. It's like um, I'd managed my whole career mm -hmm. from both a strategic point of view as well as a brand management point of view. So I treat my life like a company uh -huh. I treat my life like a brand and the DJing is just out, my output of what yeah. that brand does yeah, yeah. so it's no different than you know somebody making an app or somebody making a shoe or somebody making a car I yeah. just happen to show up a couple hours a week and DJ or, th or this week and show up more than a couple hours sure, a week and DJ sure. show up like a deck like 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 20 hours a week and DJ. Yeah. but um yeah so my mind works just like all these guys so as wow. my life has evolved some of my closest friends are guys that are in this community so when I'm out here, it's like getting to hang out with your friends, right. and then everybody comes to my parties. Right. So it's a pretty great, it's a pretty great thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to talk about that and, and sure. how we got there. Um, let's talk about how you got started, though. Do you, do you remember the first record you ever bought? Yes, I do. Um, well, the first record I ever, I'll tell you two, two things. The first record I ever had was a country record. It was a 45, and I, was, I knew I was before kindergarten because we lived in a different house, and it was... The Oak Ridge Boys, Elvira, which is oh, like a shit. super popular country song that in the was 80s. Huge. And I couldn't read, so I had to be, I know I had to be young. I had right. to be like three because. So you didn't pick that out for yourself? No, but I love the song. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I remember distinctively my mom writing an M on the side of the record that had that song. Uh huh. So I would know which side to play. Uh -huh. And it was before I could read, and I was reading pretty young, so I had to be, I had to be like three. That's crazy. Or four at the most. Yeah. And, um, I remember that. And I remember her getting us Thriller when I was in kindergarten. And I remember opening it up and seeing like the big like leopard or whatever that was. Uh -huh. and I had a dog at the time that was like freaked out by that leopard because it was like <laughs> the size of the dog. Right. Because he opened up the, the gatefold of the vinyl. Yeah, yeah. And then the first thing I ever bought with my own money was in fourth grade, and it was he's the DJ, I'm the rapper, Fresh uh -huh. Prince. Yeah, 
And it was at a Kmart in Naples, Florida. Uh-huh. I could tell you everything. I've told Jeff the story a million times. I'm you know? sure. It's, uh, it's changed my life. Yeah, I bet. And then how'd you start DJing? Um, well, I heard the B-side of that album was all Jeff cutting yeah. stuff up. And that yeah. kind of like showed me what DJing was. We didn't exactly have like Ralph McDaniels in Ohio, like right. video music box. Right, right, and all right, right. Like, you know, we didn't have any of that. Occasionally yeah. we'd get Yo! MTV raps. Um, when I'd go visit Florida, my grandparents lived in Florida, they would have like more like um, hip-hop stations, mm-hmm. ironically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I would hear mix shows there. Right. And, um, you know, this is all pre-internet. Yeah. And so um, I would tape them. Mm-hmm. And come home and then watch what I could on MTV Raps get an occasional magazine if like Barnes and Noble's got like mm-hmm. an import edition of like Herb or like something you know and, yeah. and I pieced it all together that's crazy and then when I was 18 I just randomly knew how to DJ yeah. and I moved away to college and I just told everybody I was a DJ on the first day of college and I was a DJ that's awesome you know if you walk in a dorm room with two turntables and some crates you're a fucking DJ oh, bro. yeah for sure like you know for sure especially at my school nobody had turntables no there was yeah. one other kid that had him he was like a, I mean he wasn't I was gonna say he just played like straight like rave techno shit there was uh-huh. no EDM then yeah thank god it was just like he was just like he was a raver dude he threw raves and you know that's funny so I started my career at Herb. oh wow my first job out of college was at Herb. Wow, that, yeah. that magazine changed my life. Yeah, yeah, mine too. A lot of people's. Yeah. Um, when were you there? Uh, I was there twice. I was there, so I graduated in 93. So I was writing before that. I wrote for Source and Vibe and Double XL, Ego Trip, everybody. Oh, wow, dude, you probably wrote so many things that impacted my, you Maybe. know. I hope. Because I would go, we had... Before we even had Barnes & Noble, we had this other bookstore called Little Professor Bookstores, which was like a <laughs> fake Barnes & Noble. And they uh-huh. would have like, they would have, the, they would have like one shelf that had like five yeah, or six yeah, magazines. Yeah. And they would get like, occasionally a source, they would get rap pages. Mm-hmm. Uh, once in a while, you'd maybe see like an ego trip. Right. Or you would see um, True and Trace uh-huh. from London. Yeah, yeah. And then you'd get Herb. And then when Herb came out with the... Um, Diggable Planets issue. Yeah, that I, that was the first one I had bought, and nice. I was like, oh, this is kind of. I started. I was like, you know, and that, and also there was a DJ magazine that was not too bad. It was called um, I don't remember what the fuck it was, but so uh, it was DJ Mag. It, it wasn't DJ. DJ Mag. Times. DJ Times. Yeah. yeah, there was DJ Times with Stretch Armstrong on the cover. Yeah, and that got that, and that gave me a lot of really good insight too. Yeah. And um, yeah, then then in '96, the DJ Shadow issue of Herb came out. And that just changed my whole shit. Funny. That just changed my whole trajectory of how I even approached DJ reading that. Nice. Yeah, I'm have to go back. I still have a lot of those. I have to well, oh, that's cool. find, find all your old yeah. newsprints on there. Do you have stuff. all of them digitized? Yeah. Uh, well, Raymond does. Yeah. When I met, I met him once through like Red Bull stuff uh-huh. like years ago, and I like bowed to him like he was like, you know, God, because yeah. you know, same He's thing when I met like Jonathan Schechter and all, mm-hmm. all those guys. Like, you know, if these people didn't weren't, if you guys weren't like the kings of yeah. of journal of journalistic integrity for the culture, people who in the Midwest who didn't have access to these funnels would have no. Absolutely. We wouldn't have learned. Absolutely. You would have just like you. It just would have been impossible. So yeah. thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. I, it, it, those are fun I'm interviewing you now. We're flipping them. For sure. Um, that's cool. Uh, so, what was the what was the first break? 
Um, that's such a situational question. Um, the first, I answer this so many different ways when I do interviews. The, um, I'll tell you when I never really tell because there's like there's like a lot of them. There's like I used to do a lot of stuff in Cleveland, and then mm -hmm. I started working with like LeBron and all those guys, mm -hmm. and that helped me build a brand to get out of. I mean, I already had a brand outside of Ohio in the Midwest, and I was on a radio side, so a little bit of a brand in New York through right. the industry stuff. But I was able to leverage like all of that stuff to like really make a bigger platform. Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't to make my name bigger, it was to build build it was to build my access. Okay. And that was important. But one thing that happened to me was like my my career would have never happened if I this and this is like a bad story like I could have a kid like I lied when I was doing college radio. We um I used to have a show and it was like the highlight of my life when I was 18 or 19 to have a show. And they had this back room mm. with all these records. And like the three hip hop shows of like the thirty shows, and it was like polka and country and bluegrass <laughs> and shit. Like we would just like steal the records, yeah. Because we didn't have there was some it was mostly bullshit, and we had like record pools and stuff. But mm -hmm. occasionally you'd find, and you could relate to this. You'd be, I'm sure you've been in many a college radio sure. studio. You would just see like that one random thing, like wait, they have why is that there? Or you'd find like the sample of something, uh -huh. and and, uh, and 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 you'd never, you know, you couldn't go online and find it. And Cleveland wasn't like you know, it's not like. Like you couldn't walk in a record store and see like large professor and Lord finesse like digging in the crates and right, it was right, just right. like there was just if you saw something you had to figure out how to get it so I would just take the records mm -hmm. and I was always like well one day I'll put them back when I graduate but you know obviously <laughs> that never happened so anyways a bunch of guys were doing that yeah. and they called me in the office and they were like we have suspicions that all you hip hop guys are stealing records from the station now keep in mind nobody had played these records in like 20 years like, <laughs> the records were just there like right. nobody they weren't being used yeah, yeah. we were actually giving the records life you know except for promotional use only we were actually giving them promo sure. they were just fucking sitting there so I, I you know and I was just like damn it was like my, one of my first ever moral quandaries <laughs> like should I lie and because if I would have said yes I stole them I mean I wouldn't have gotten in trouble with the school right. I mean I don't think but they, they would have deaded my show yeah I'm sure had they deaded my show that would have deaded my little underground hip hop brand which would have deaded my brand moving on to every club in Cleveland to every to the commercial station to mixtapes to like you know and I'm not saying this wouldn't have happened but that would have it would have set, it would have set, it yeah, would, yeah, I mean yeah. I was 19, 20 years old right. you know I didn't have anything going for me besides a 45 minute show on the weekend so right. this would have deaded my whole shit so I that I guess my first break was like lying <laughs> to them, and I don't think they honestly really. Care. I don't think the guy actually even cared. I think his job was just to like ask me. And right. He he was just going through the procedure, yeah, so yeah. I could think he can give a fuck one way or the other. But I chose to keep my show. And Probably smart. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a good decision. For sure. So I learned about you through summertime. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah, that's been fun. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's amazing, and Jeff, you know, Jeff's a hero to to a lot of us. Um, how did that change the game for you? Well, I had gotten my name through mixtapes, basically. Like, I, I used them to basically fund my move to New York yeah. um, and to, like, sustain myself when I moved to New York. And then mixtapes obviously went away uh, from sure. prop profit, you know. But even then, they just kind of became, like, brand-building things. It's going to be okay? Yeah, it's fine. This thing is super cool. Um, I'll bring it up. And even back then, they were just kind of, like, brand-building things. And I realized that... Um, as much as I looked up to like certain people who like crushed it and traveled the world and all that, like some people did, like I had like this mixtape skill, this mixtape marketing skill, this whole world that a lot of other guys didn't have. So I said to Jeff, I was like, let's, would you ever consider doing a mixtape based on like 
this amazing song that you created mm-hmm. and just extend that for 80 minutes with the vibe mm-hmm. and he was like that's really cool and he had liked my mixtapes you know mm-hmm. he, he, he was he, he we were we got cool because he actually listened to i had gave him a mixtape once and he actually listened nice and he, and, he, and he told me about it and i was just like i don't do that for people if you yeah. find me mixtapes they're in the back yeah, seat yeah. of my car i thought that was really cool um so yeah so we did the first one and i was like it was like playing with jordan you know it right. was like just i was so geeked and yeah. now um Man, we've done eight. We're working mm-hmm. on nine. We'll pro- probably tap out at ten. I think, yeah. You know. Yeah. And uh, it's just every year, anywhere in the world. I mean, we're sitting here in the south of France, and you're, you're bringing it up. There's nowhere I go, anywhere in the world, where people don't know those tapes. For sure. And I'm just truly. It's just you know, as the kid who you know told you the Kmart story with the cassette. Yeah. It's a dream to be here, forty whatever. Or it's, well, not I'm not that old. I'm forty. But like like thirty years later from when I bought that tape. Yeah. And to have these moments. It's yeah, crazy. yeah, yeah. It's a, it's just a blessing. It's amazing you say about Jeff. Like, so, uh, so I did all. I used to do all the marketing for Cyan, mm-hmm. and so we did all the um, mix CDs, all the like DJ partnerships, all that. And Jeff was one of our main DJs, and uh, so we used to do this DJ competition. I don't know if you ever saw it, but it was like Cyan DJ contest. Uh, yeah, I mean Cyan, you guys crushed it with the with the DJ stuff back yeah. in the day. Yeah, thanks. It, it was, was like, I remember all the Questlove stuff. And all yeah, that stuff. yeah, yeah. So it was fun. And we, so we would do this annual, like, DJ competition. I think we did it five years in a row. And, um, you know, they won money and they won, like, they got some prizes, whatever, some equipment. But the thing that got people most, the thing people were most excited about was the the judges were Jeff and P-Rock, Primo, uh, Tony Touch, right? And, and, they, and people were like... Oh my God! You got these guys to listen to my mix. Yeah, and it, 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 it that didn't even occur to me to us. Oh yeah, at dude. The I mean, if you're a student of this culture and you get to like meet or work with or even just interact with your idols, like yeah, it was so less. It was so much less disposable then. Sure. That you hold people in a higher esteem because you had to really work hard to get to their shit. So yeah. I had to work really hard to make money to like I worked three hours at a shitty part-time job to buy a Gangstar right. album. Yeah, yeah. So That's best right. believed, I'd only did that because I loved Premiere. Sure. And then when you when you you know so when you meet that person or you follow it, you, you're in, you're invested in their career. Yeah. It's not like now, and this isn't a bad thing. We're all we all benefit from this new shit as well, where you're just like, all right, cool, it's on Spotify. I'm listening to it for two seconds. Oh, I don't like it. Cool. I never heard about the guy again. Whatever. Maybe I did, but I could just opt out. You're not emotionally committed because right. you're not financially committed. Yeah, yeah. But when you have to. You know, work your whole weekend to buy two. You know, when two albums, remember like two albums would come out, you had to choose. Yeah, for sure. Like, do I want it yeah. was written or do I want stakes as high? Because they both came out like I think the same day. You know the stakes is high. The instamatic focal point bringing damage to your borough. Be some brothers from the east with the beats that be thorough. Got the solar gravitation, so I'm bound to pull it. I gets down like brothers are found, ducking from bullets. Gun control means using both hands in my land. Yeah. It's all about the cautious living. Uh-huh. Migrating to a higher form of consequence. Compliments. I'm struggling. That shouldn't be notable. Man, every word I say should be a hip hop quote. I'm sick of bitches shaking asses. I'm sick of talking about blood. Sick of Versace glasses. Sick of slang. Sick of half ass award shows. And I was also ironically in Florida. Florida was like where all my good shit came from. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. And, um, it was, uh, you know, you, you had to choose. I had, I had 15 bucks. Yeah. And the shit was seventeen ninety nine. I had to get like $3 from my grandma just to like go buy yeah. the shit. And it's like, yeah. now, so so when, when you commit to that, you're fucking committed to that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and if you don't like it, you're going to keep listening to it until you do like it. Yeah. And eventually you might not, not like it, but you're going you're gonna to give it, it's like dating. 
mm-hmm. you know you, mm-hmm. you, you, you're gonna try at least a couple of dates you know to sure. see if, if something's gonna happen and it's not just now where you could just have the ability to, the DJ might say now it's like it's funny everybody thinks like a DJ now we put on a record you, as a DJ you know 20 seconds in if, if right. you, eh, no fuck it eh, no but it was different though wasn't it when you spent that 1799 and you're oh like, my god yeah uh, I'm, I'm gonna like I'm gonna spend some time with this even if you end up not really liking it. Some of the best songs on my favorite albums were the songs I hated. Yeah. They were like the middle of the B-side, the shit I never really listened to. It would yeah, take like yeah, repeated yeah. listens. And that, yeah. that to me was great. For sure. But you wouldn't have done that if you hadn't spent the money and spent yeah. the time thinking about yeah. it. And, of course not. And all that. Yeah, it's interesting. So I know you've collabed with a lot of people. Um, what? Why is that a lane for you? Um, like, like, what, what like, makes in, you, like in which way? What do you mean? Um, like, like, well, like with Jeff... Uh, uh, I know you did stuff with Buster, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, like, why is that a good... Well, it came from the mixtape culture side of me, you know? Yeah. Like, um, I have a unique ear and a unique way of seeing things that's different than other people. And sure. so, thankfully... What do you it, think that is? I don't know. Uh-huh. Just, I, it's just, whatever it is, it's, it's worked this long. Yeah. I hope it doesn't stop. Yeah. You know, I, I hear things slightly different, just like everybody, just like you do, or every, yeah. you know, and, and for some reason, people seem to like the way I hear things and the way I'm able to channel that back out through my either computer or through my hands or mm-hmm. through you know whatever it is mm-hmm. and um, somehow that enabled me to create that that mixtape brand that people liked and it, the branding of stuff was good I'm, I'm I'm much better actually at the branding marketing side of the stuff than the music side like I have a musical talent like yeah. like but I've always used the example like like I'm a good DJ, mm-hmm. like, but I'm not like a great DJ. Like mm-hmm. I have days where I'm great, just I like I have it. days where I'm a great dad and a good dad and a great husband and a good husband. But it's just like right. if I put all my energy into DJing, I could be a great DJ. But I'm I realized like my my ba- but where I, where I'm like my actually where I kind of like top out on average is just being good. Mm-hmm. But I'm what the thing I'm great at is like the marketing side of it. So tell me about that. And once. I had to make a choice, you know? Because yeah. you, you and I both know a million DJs who are better than any DJs that you've ever heard of who sure. nobody's ever heard of right. because they don't have the, the picture, the big yeah. picture. And I didn't want to be... I just knew so many guys growing up that were like, they had so much talent, man. Like, there were guys in Cleveland, dude, that like, they had, they had more talent. Than, I mean, I would kill to have the talent. They had, they, yeah. they had Jeff-level talent. Yeah, yeah. Maybe even better. Yeah. I don't know. But, like, like, but that level of talent. Yeah, like, it. insanity of talent. Sure. And nobody knew who they were outside of their neighborhood. That's right. And it's it like that in every city. Yeah. And it was yeah. just like... So what I, is it I, that, I that you that know that those guys don't know? I just see the big picture. I see how to get, well, get, so a, what, get, get an idea. From, what do you do that those guys aren't doing? Um, well, first of all, I'm lucky. And, and blessed and all and all and all of those things. You sure. know, I, I haven't. You make. I mean, you make your own luck. Mm-hmm. But but, you know, I've made my own luck a lot. Thankfully, and I think I'm a pretty spiritual guy. So I really feel like this is what God wants me to be doing. Yeah. Um. Not to get like super deep on your podcast, but right. I do think that's true. Um. Beyond that, you know, I've just always approached things before I even realized I was doing it. I was approaching things from a business perspective, and I've approached things as a marketer. Mm-hmm. Versus as a DJ, when I didn't again, even before I knew I was doing it. And, so and can, you, can you give me an example of like? Yeah, yeah. So some of my best mixtapes have come about simply because I thought it was a really good marketing idea that people would care about, and then I kind of figured out what the music of it would be after the summertime tapes. So a good example. Yeah. Like I knew that that would be a smash. The yeah, minute yeah. we did it, before we even knew what the vibe was going to be, before we knew what the covers were always going to be, these animated cartoons, before we knew we'd have people do custom intros on everyone, we didn't know any of that. Like I just. I just knew, right. like you know, I was really good at spotting trends. Mm-hmm. So the 
they did this Jay Z Coldplay thing, Viva La Hova, that went super viral. Coldplay yeah. put it on their website and all this shit. And Jay Z heard it and said he he said it was all right, which was <laughs> I guess for him that's like a gold fucking medal, right? right. But it's not that I woke up one day with a supreme desire to 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 make sure. those mashups. It was like they were doing a lot of songs together. I liked most of them. They were vacationing together in the south of France on yachts, and it was okay. always on like TMZ and shit. That's and funny. like people in the pop culture, what's that word, zeitgeist or whatever, like was like talking about that. Yeah. And I knew that that would hit. Jay Z just got married to Beyonce. Dude was married to Gwyneth Paltrow. They were they, they were media its. Sure. And on top of that, they were like make they made really good music and they made good music together. So I just really thought this is like a no brainer if you do it right. Mm -hmm. And so. There you go. And so, like, but it started with the idea. It didn't, it, I wasn't sitting, like, you know, I, all these guys, like, oh, I was at home and just, you know, I was, I was just mixing the records together and, just, and I was scratching with my balls and it just was great. And, like, you know, like, sure. no, I, I can't, it, it all, for me, all the stuff was ideas. Same thing with um, Busta. Like, we do these, we did this project called Diligence, which yeah. is also like a decade old. And to this day, every time I see him, we, he's like, that's still my favorite mixtape I ever did. And I didn't do shit on that tape, dude. All I did was come up with the idea. And people always come up to me and like give me all this credit for that tape. And I'm like, dude, I didn't do shit. Like it's like it's like well, I, mean, I, I came up with the idea to right. put it out, and I came up with the packaging and the branding and with the, how we did it, which is a skill. But it's just like Dilla did the music. Like sure. I had nothing to do. I think I mean we mix. I mixed it, but like I didn't like Busta gave me 20 unreleased Dilla songs. Like you, you'd have to be an idiot to fuck that up, right? Like so. Well, but I, I mean, I think like. It's kind of like you're saying before, like the, the the marketing is a skill, right? And there's 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 thousands of great DJs who the, the world has never learned about because they don't understand marketing, right? Or because they that, because that's not what they're in it for, right? There's different yeah. reasons, but you know the ability. I mean, this is why we're here in France, right? Because the ability to bring ideas to life is important. Yeah, absolutely, and I mean, I mean, this this conference is a, not even a conference, it's a festival. Yeah, this is a is a glowing example of it. Yeah, and yeah. That's kind of how I ended up here. So, I made a decision five years ago to drop the boogie from my name, mm -hmm. just start rebranding myself as a company that has tentacles and different things. I started doing a lot of angel investing and startups. So yeah, 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 I'm yeah. talking more now. I'm working on a book. I started working with brands. Like some, you know, it's kind of like stuff you do, but not not on that level of like an agency and mm -hmm. that sort of creative campaigns. But I just realized like the way my mind works, similar to how your mind works. There's a lot of other shit I can offer people, sure. and my networks and my friends and my peers and everything expanded. And what I realized was, especially as hip hop started to change into as, you know, when I started to become older in hip hop where I didn't want to have to like act like I'm like a 21 year old dude like you know I still play all that stuff but I right. just you know I can't tell you I wake up in the morning like trying to dress like little Yachty and like walking out the house like that's just not my reality right, right? and I didn't want to not I didn't want to become something I wasn't becoming 
So I was just like, how can I age gracefully in this? And there's two ways you could do it. Like you could, you could, you, well, there's one way you could be an icon, like a Jeff or a, or or, or, or D Nice or you know Rich Medina or those type of guys, where you're gonna just live off of. Obviously, you live off your talent, but you're sure. also an icon, so that sustains you because you put in all that work from the beginning. Right. I wasn't that guy. I didn't have that sort of life. So for me, my my thing was gonna be like, what's another path for me to have longevity with this? If you don't, if you're not like a brand name, mm-hmm. you know. So mm-hmm. for me, it was like kind of just trying to take over the uh, the, the creative, the, the smart people circuit, you know? Like I do fashion gigs, I'll do like proverbial urban gigs, whatever that really means, because mm-hmm. I kind of don't like that word, but it's like, mm-hmm. I do all of those things, but like this lane here is where I really excel. Yeah. And this lane is like, this is, this is where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. So it's like, I, it, it's, it's nice, man, it's, it's great. And, and the nice thing is like, um, all the real business in the world is happening in these rooms. That's right. You know, no matter what industry you're in, yeah, yeah. and, and it's right. it's a it's a blessing to just to be a part of it. Hey, if you're enjoying this one, uh, let's go back in the Rebel Radio archives. Check out my interview with Zen Freeman, the one and only. Uh, he's another DJ who's built a really interesting career, kind of off the beaten path of uh, of the clubs and festivals. He's got a great sort of corporate business and, and high-end clientele that he serves. Great stories there. He's also the founder of the RHA Festival down in Mexico, and he's got some good stuff to talk about on that if you want to go back and check that out. I also, like, very quickly went from doing my own night at Tokyo, playing a couple of film festival parties, to, like, being, like, you know, like, literally over, like, the space of a summer, I was all of a sudden doing... Toronto Film Festival, Sundance Film Festival, Cannes Film Festival. Yeah. Being flown around by like billionaire guys and doing like yacht parties in St. Bart's and sure. And, and then I was like, holy shit. So so you know, you work with Jeff and, and Buster, I'm sure you pick up game, wisdom, insight from guys like that. Um, who do you get that from on the on the marketing, on the branding side. Oh, wow. So many people. Um, I mean, what I've realized is the people that are really successful on that side are the people that treat people really well. Yeah. And treat people like humans. I mean, to the extent that they can, giving their level of power in the world, sure. you know? And I have a friend who is a CMO of a, of a huge company and you know, I saw her last year out here. She was like, "How you doing?" I was like, "Honestly, kind of, I'm kind of shitty and kind of pissed off about a couple of things." And, and she was just like, "Cool, let's have breakfast when we get back, and I'll help you sort it out." And I'm like, "Yo, you're running like, yeah. like a top 100 company in the world with millions of employees. Like, why would you do that for me?" Yeah. You know. And we did. We had breakfast, and it was awesome. And I'm just like that. Really, like moments like that touch me because like people like that, they're definitely nice people, but their priorities to be nice people to their employees and they're nice people to their family and all that. They don't need to be nice to me. Sure. And so when when people who are like that level of stuff, like like billionaire status type people, will will take the time to do something like that for me, you have to take a step back and look at how that you know how did that person get there it's from how they treat people right yeah. and I have a million stories like that yeah. of people just treating people well I have a million stories of people who treat people like assholes too we all do I'm sure you have many especially in the music industry shit crazy but what I've found historically that the, is that the people who are are excelling the most 
are, are the people that you know have people who actually like them and love them mm-hmm. and have their back and are lifting them and that's that's how they got there they got there because people lifted them not because they backstabbed their their way that's and, right you know when i meet people out here whose employees i like idolize them and just like did love them so much that's really cool because think that's about right. how many people hate their bosses and they hate the, the leadership in their companies and they yeah. hate their jobs whether they tell you or not they do yeah. to see people who feel that you know so I learn a lot I guess I'm going long-winded with that but that's been great to see and I, and I take little gleams even if I if I have I could have an hour conversation with somebody like that I could have a one-minute elevator interaction with somebody mm-hmm. but I'll take something good or bad from all those people and kind of put it into a context yeah how do you decide what to invest in um, the people First and foremost, like the people to me have to be the people I love. Yeah. You know, I have, I have to fuck with you. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. You know, I mean, we don't have to be best friends, but I have to like, I have to, I have to feel. You know, I think that's, good. I think that's underrated in everything. Like, meaning, um, you know, there's all these like different ideas about what it takes to be successful. And I think, you know, and there's different paths, different people do it different ways, but I think there's something about being a good person, like you're talking about, being likable, being liked, liking the people that you work with. Like I always say to, you know, to leaders, CEOs, whatever, like it's when you're hiring, you know, you're looking for all these things, resumes, pedigree, blah, blah, blah. But if you don't want to hang out with the people, yeah, it's good. You're not going to fuck with them, right? Yeah. You're not going to give them the time and attention they need to be successful in their jobs. They're not going to love working for you, right? If you don't, and if you don't give them that, they're not going to run through that wall for you. That's they're right. not going to stay late on that weekend That's when something right. needs to get done, and they're not going to drop a drop their family responsibilities to fly across the world to, right. to, to go to some meeting when when they have no vested interest in, in yeah. the thing. You know, and I think about that a lot entrepreneurially, like having worked for myself my whole life. I stop at nothing to make sure my family's good. I will I will push myself to degrees I didn't even know existed because yeah. I have no choice, right? And I think about how it must feel for people who work within the confines of, a, of an organization, especially if you've been there 5, 10, 20 years, you know, how do you create this, you know, I mean, it's different if you work for an organization where they're giving you, like, stock and you have options and you're, or like, you're early in. But even then, though, people sabotage totally. when, when your heart's not in it. You know? But yeah, I just think, like, man, how how do you motivate yourself knowing that your you know your your growth is finite maybe yeah. from either a career perspective or For a financial sure. perspective like you could give these people 400 percent of your life and you're never going to make more than 150 before taxes that's right that's you know that's crazy yeah. when if you're entrepreneurial you can give 300 percent and you could become a billionaire or a millionaire or at least a hundred thousand there did i mean and, mm-hmm. or, or you can't but like your odds right. like you yeah. you control your own shit. like and that's how i feel every day like i feel like i wake up every day and the more i put into it the more I'm going to get out of it. Like yeah. that's been something I don't realize that on a day to day because we live in this ebb and flow. But when I look back at my life, like the more I put into it, the more I get out of it, no yeah. matter what it is that I'm doing. Sure. And, you know, and there are sometimes I just fall back. There's days where like I got like, you know what? I can't do this right now. I have yeah, to, I got to stay home. Of course. I got to just go. go well, you don't it. have that nine to five. So you don't have the automatic, you know, yeah. Sunday off. No, right? no, yeah, so I don't have. You got to do it when you. I have to pick and choose. And this applies how, kind of how I parent my son, too. Yeah. Like, we had like a sure. super non traditional life. And, like, I was in yeah. Austria two weeks ago, flew home. Yeah, flew home. Flew from there to Dallas, flew home for like four or five days, and flew to Miami last week. Got back at 9 30 a.m. last Friday, 
and then I was flying here that night, went right from the airport to his preschool just to like see him do this like summer sing along thing. Uh-huh. They actually sang Summertime. Oh, that's cool. Fresh Friends. No at, at Two year old fucking preschool. That's amazing. Isn't that amazing? Oh. My whole life coming full circle. That's and, amazing. Um, you know, and I and, and then he went back to school, and then I went home and repacked, and then I went and grabbed him, and we went and got some pizza, and then I went to the airport, and then mm-hmm. I'm here, and it's just like to some people that's like really weird, like that's our normal, but it like works for us, and you know, all I know is I'm able to give my family a great life, and yeah. I know that for me, I have no regrets of how last week went because every opportunity I had to change around everything I could in order to see that dude, that's what I did. For sure. And there's like if I think about guys who. If you were in a nine to five, right. which obviously like the majority of the world is, and I'm not knocking it, like you know, somebody came at me with right offer, you might find me right there. But, <laughs> but, I had the luxury and flexibility, and I might have been tired as fuck, but I was able to like yeah. literally change my flight so I could land, go to his school yeah. when I might not have been able to do that. If I was a clock punching guy, that's not happening. That's right. You know, my flight was at. I had to leave for the airport at eight. If I would have got home at six, I would like I wouldn't have been able to like go meet him, have him take him for dinner before I go. So sure. I guess for all the pros, there's and cons. Like it all kind of bounces out, and you and you make it what you make of it. Yeah, yeah, and it works. It's cool. Yeah, for sure. All right, let me ask you a little lightning round before I let you go. Um, tell me one decision that changed your life forever. Moving to New York, a decade ago. Yeah. Best, best decision I ever did. I'm sure. So if I worked for you, what's something I would hear you say over and over? Oh, that's great. Um, probably, do you want Chipotle today for lunch? <laughs> that's pretty. That's pretty much. I think the thing okay. my wife would say I say the most, and that's that's cool. Uh, who would you be most excited to learn as a fan of your work? Ooh. That's great. Um, Obama, maybe? I got to do a party for Mrs. Obama once. That was yeah. really cool. You but, did an Obama mixtape, right? Yeah, I mean, she didn't know about that. They right, probably right, right. arrested me for that. But um, I got to do a party for her uh, in Virginia for, for a charity organization. That was really cool. But yeah. it'd be cool. Like, that guy, was, he's just still, still on the pulse with music. That if he, he if, if I found out. And you know what's crazy? I know he would love those summertime tapes. Oh, probably. So you have to figure that I'm out, sure. how to get them. I, I couldn't, like, slide up on Michelle, like, yo, can I put, <laughs> you check your DMs? That secret star artist, they've been bullet in my head in about three yeah, seconds. Yeah, probably so. Um, what's your favorite city to travel to? Paris. I love Paris. It's the best. Um, what's the last great book you read? Um, well, it's been a few, but I'm reading a really great book right now called Supermind. It's about like transcendental meditation and oh, how, it, cool. how it like builds up to different cerebral cortexes in your brain to yeah. give you like not like superpowers, but just to really optimize the way you think and the way your body functions. Are you That's, a meditator? I'm learn. I'm getting into like the TM stuff now mm-hmm. because. I had like a, this big manic depressive fit earlier this year and like 10 of my friends were all just like, why aren't you doing this? And I was like, where the fuck was this information all 10 of you? <laughs> like, you know, nobody told me, everybody, like, yeah. you know, and, and then so they, it was just like, it wasn't like an intervention, but it was just kind of like a godly intervention in that yeah. like 10 people all, even people I just met that I got really cool with, people I've known wow. forever, everyone was like, oh yeah, we all do this. And I was just like, what the fuck? That's cool. Yeah, that's probably the other thing people hear me say a lot. What the fuck? That's pretty right. much. And, and, and so yeah, so so I'm trying to learn, and, I'm, and it's like that's a process, but yeah. I'm I'm much happier and uh, yeah, lighter yeah. now. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Two months ago, I've been a monster on this podcast. <laughs> what what um 
I mean, you, you said something about the depression and that. Where, where, where does that come from? Just anxiety, life. Like my life has no, no consistency. You know, it's a great life. Wouldn't trade anything. Mm -hmm. But people only see the great stuff on Instagram, right? Nobody sees how your body reacts after three red eyes in a row, and, right. and, and you just have no energy to give to anything, and you just and, and it's, sure. it's, it's draining and it's grueling, and you know we make it look good on stories. Yeah, taking another, you know, check, of you know. It, but but there, there's a downside to all of that stuff, right? Yeah. And, and you know. My, my work is very, you know, I work a 24-7 life. I'll sit at my desk all day, I'll do a party at night, I'll fly somewhere the next morning, I try to be a good husband, I try to be a good dad. There's no off switch. I'm doing better now at saying no to things, so I could kind of create mm -hmm. that balance. It, it comes from balance, really. Yeah. It comes from balance, because I don't do a good job with balance. But I, I think it. most entrepreneurs will tell you the same thing. Like, you can go down no, the line yeah, from, definitely. from fucking Alexander Graham Bell on down. Like, sure. I'll tell you the same thing. Yeah. I heard a talk this morning, the best talk I've heard here, a woman, Esther Peril, okay, um, that said, uh, she's like a relationship, yeah, she's a yeah. psychologist. Yeah, I've seen her a bunch of times at Summit. Thing? Amazing. And anyway, she said something about, you know, she was talking about the depression and the suicides that are happening that are, you know, seem to be all around us. And she said, you know, there's something that we're... We don't have more desires necessarily than we used to, but we feel more entitled to those desires. We feel entitled as a society to happiness. Yeah, and then that creates a certain tension. Because you and you and it and it, you see everybody else living these. We all for have sure. great lives for the most yeah. part, but we all put our best life forward socially. And for all the people that have like this FOMO and everything, there's like that whole other side of just like, man, you know, why is their vacation always so nice, or why is this always so nice? And then I look at my life and I'm like. I mean, by all metrics, I've blessed life, For but sure. there's plenty of things in my life that are fucked up. Yeah. You just don't see them on there because I don't really want to put. The, I don't want to. I don't want to propagate the negativity shit in my life. Right. I just want it to be the good stuff. So I, I had one day I had to realize, like, okay, so I'm looking at all these people's lives, like we all do, and you're like, damn, that that that, that why don't I? And then, but then I realize, like, if I look at my life and I'm not me, and I take the step back and I look at it from the mm -hmm. outside looking in. I'm doing the same thing to people, you know. There's there's a million DJs that would love my career. There's a million sure. other people that would love my career. Just like I look at other people's stuff, and so I realized, like, you know, I'm am I part of the problem or part of the solution? So the idea is not to take any of it seriously and just, you right. know. But it's know. like you're saying, it's a balance, right? Yeah. I mean, on on the one hand, somebody might feel a certain type of way seeing that you have a life to take home. On the other hand, you're inspiring people. I think so. To do their thing, right? And and. Uh, you know, there's, I mean, we talk a lot about that, about representation, about we have to see, we have to see things to know that it's possible, right? And those things drive us. I just want to inspire people to be, I, when people look at me now as like, as a 40 year old adult who's grown up through all of this, which is just crazy to me. Like now I have people come up to me and call me like OG, uh -huh. which is so crazy. Of course. Because I'm still mentally 25. <laughs> That's, we're all and I just did um, Duce Palooza in New oh, York, cool. which was super dope. And they were just like, I was like, for, I was joking. I was like, you know, I'm an old white guy, right? And they, and they were just like, man, we've had, we've had lot, lots of, lots of OGs come through, lots of older guys. And I'm just like, no. I was like, no, you're supposed to say, you're not old. Like it was just like they, 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 they grouped me in that, uh, that category of like the cool old guy. We're bringing back. And yeah, I was like, yeah, fuck, what is that? Sure. But the point I want to end with, you get was that like, slide at Coachella. Yeah, yeah, you get the old guy slide. Yeah, the, 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 uh, I, I just want people now to when they look at my life, I want people to be like, he's all about his fucking family yeah. and all of this stuff he does he, he, he figured out how to do all this and, and keep and just just be the best 
family guy he can be at the same time because I think a lot of people lose sight of that that's like my number one yeah, thing in the world and that's if people say that to me now but people do say it to me now people are like I love how much you love your family that's better than here's a check that's better than that song's amazing that's better than here's some Yeezys well I don't want no Yeezys now but you know right so and, and so yeah so that's what it is alright last two what movie have you seen the most in your life Transformers the movie the 86 version or 85 version the cartoon one who's the best DJ of all time Jeff. No doubt. Thanks for doing this, man. Yeah, Pleasure dude. You. Thank you. Appreciate it. Cool. Yo, that was Mick on Rebel Radio. Shout out to Mick. Shout out to Can Lions. Leave us a review on iTunes. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, at Rebel Radio Net. And most importantly, come back next week for more Rebel Radio. Peace.